Welcome to the latest episode of Cool Culture Corner. We discuss ways how we can better involve our teams for better productivity, better profits, and growth. I'm your host for Cool Culture Corner, Ken Bader, and I have a really exciting guest here today. Let me tell you a bit about it. My guest today is Justin Dower, and he is the author of Creative Culture, Human-Centered Interaction, Design, and Inspiration. Uh, he's a multifaceted, multi-pierce, we're not going to ask him where, uh, multi-tattooed designer, same thing, uh, and speaker, and as well as an author. Uh, he with, uh, excuse me, with Joseph Muller Brockman and user advocacy claiming equal parts of the creative arts since graduating the School of the Art Institute of Chicago fellow Chicagoan. We're going to hear about that. Uh, he's immersed himself in tangible and digital media over the past 20 years. Justin is fueled by engaging with people on the human-centered connection, speaking at events, at businesses, on podcasts, in articles, and many more. I can go on about them, but let's hear from Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Great to be here. Uh, great to have you. So, you know, many times on this show, I, I've used different adjectives for culture and titles, you know, such as the supportive culture or the collaborative culture. You wrote a whole book on creative culture. You know, tell us not only about the book, but what you mean by creative culture. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome question to start with, Ken. By creative culture, I effectively mean an environment that supports the way we engage with one another as well as the way we work. And I think that those synergies are um, really key to, to the definition, of, at least of how I define uh, a creative culture. Because there are linchpins between both those dynamics, um, slowing down and how we design and slowing down and how we interact with one another, um, inclusion and how we hire and how we uh, engage with one another at the, at the office as well as how we uh, uh, go through design our design process um, so both that synergy between those touch points and those dynamics really help inform um, a creative culture and largely inform uh, uh, the content of the book awesome awesome so so what was the motivation behind the book did you wake up one day and said hey you know what we need a book on creative culture or were there experiences positive or negative that said you know i need to to write this particular book uh or all of the above tell us about the motivation for it i suppose it's a little bit yeah it's a little option c all of the above um it started with uh, first of all, I with industry burnout. I was in the agency yeah. space for maybe, I don't know, I, you know, uh, 10 years, not consecutively, 10 to 15 years. Um, and the agency space has a lot of inherent cultural issues um, in it. And I wrote an article called Resetting Agency Culture uh, for a, a design uh, magazine called A List Apart. And all, it was all about um, the negatives that are associated with agency space and how people are uh, many times relegated to a name and a spreadsheet. And it's very um, dehumanizing and it's depersonalized and people are thrown under the bus when they're presenting their work. And uh, a lot of unhealthy things. Of course, there are places that do it right. But from my experience, sure. there was a lot of unhealthy things there. Um, and then I was working with I, I knew there was a way to do it, do it better, long story short. Now, I was working with a Swedish agency that really lit the fire under my rear. And the Swedish, Swedish culture, by and large, is based on egalitarianism and based on, you know, everyone having a seat at the table. It's, it's trite to say that, but, but you know, the way Swedes 
uh, eat, sleep, drink, and breathe. That, that's, that's how they function, everyone having a seat at the table, uh, very flat structure. Um, and I, it, through that Swedish culture, um, I, I learned many, many healthy things about how to, how to treat people well and that it's okay to do that. I, I would say it was a lot of the affirmation. It's okay to do this because this agency is functioning in this capacity. So I wrote this article and the reception of it um, was written through the agency lens, but the feedback I got back was uh, cross industry. It was newspaper, it was print, it was television, it was radio. And I knew the lens I gave it was too narrow. And it wasn't about the agency experience, it was about the human experience. So that ultimately led to the impetus of writing um, the first uh, edition of the book, which was called Cultivating a Creative Culture about three years ago. Um, and, the, and the second edition is coming out June 23rd uh, with the title that you said. Um, and that, that's how we got to this point. It was as much as the negatives, uh, yeah. knowing how not to do it and how, how I felt. Empathy is a big part of the way we design. So I, you know, um, making that connection and seeing how it is okay to do it right. You can function and still be profitable and still have people yeah. thrive by treating people well. So that, that was kind of where it was born from. Yeah, I would, I would argue in great points, I would argue that you can be more profitable <laughs> uh, with the proper culture. Uh, yeah, even in one situation that I, I talk about in my book and I've talked about on this particular show, um, you know, some businesses and organizations uh, forget the U-R-E <laughs> in the word culture. Uh, and they want right. <laughs> to, and they, and they take off those last three letters. And there's one particular business that uh, I remember that had their plaques up there on best place to work and, you know, X number of year. And that was three years yeah. before I even got there. Uh, but yeah, there was a revolving door uh, on HR and you could see, you know, the money just being thrown out the windows through, you know, severance checks and, you know, lawsuits and so on and so forth. And, you know, what they really had, even with outsiders giving them accolades on their culture, what they really had was a cult. Not everybody was invited to the table. And, you know, right. damn it, if you were invited to the table, but God forbid you opened your mouth. <laughs> and you open your mouth at anything other than agreement, you know, that was an issue. So, you know, I, I'm really, really pleased to hear about, you know, your impetus for the book. Yeah, I'm sorry that, you know, fire wound up, you know, under your ass, but uh, I'm glad you put it out and wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are great points. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned inclusion before, and you'd mentioned yeah. uh, the URE falling off in a cult sense. That's about as exclusionary uh, as it gets, that some yeah. people have preferential uh, treatment and those people might be the ones who are doing who are responsible for the marketing and writing the pretty blurbs on the website but it ultimately doesn't translate to the day-to-day -day, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge disconnect of course and and thankfully for social media and and, and things like that these days uh, there's a spotlight when that when that deception kind of uh, happens but uh, yeah that, that that's a great point the 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 cults aspect of things and how that's absolutely toxic and poisonous yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess the number one question, and if I don't ask it in this show, <laughs> then I'd be remiss. You know, how do you create a creative culture? You know, how do you cultivate a creative culture in your organization? Well, really, it starts on the first day. It starts even before the first day when, I mean, you know, when someone is applying for a job or someone is 
in the interview process, being as, you know, I use the, the term human-centered uh, in the title of my book, and that means different things to different people. But to me, right. it means about being people first and connecting with people uh, truly, again, to the, the cult point, not, not just words on a piece of paper. And when someone's interviewing, you know, like uh, not too long ago uh, when it was, well, it's summer now, so I guess it was a while ago, but during the winter, I had people <laughs> interviewing and there was a day when it was going to be a colossal snowstorm. And I asked the recruiter to reach out and tell them not to tell the people not to come in the following day. So they're not getting on a bus. They're not worrying. Do I have to, you know, set aside 50 minutes to get to the office when it's a 10 minute commute? So right away, you're being demonstrative. I respect you as a person before they're even in the door for the interview. So uh, being actions over words is is the overarching theme here. But um, on the first day, when someone comes in and they say, you know, they have, have joined our team to, to show them, I respect that the fact that they're entrusting the evolution of their career uh, to me as their team leader, I, I'm meeting someone at the door. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a VP and there's, there's my calendar is always full. And it's not because I want to talk about my title, my business card, but it is to say that my, my hierarchy and my role does not matter. Uh, if mm. I've hired someone, I am there making that connection and saying, thank you, know, welcome. You know, everyone has had that where they walk into a role for the first time and they don't know anybody and people are milling around and you can see there are clicks already forming and people are hanging out and talking about their days and you walk in and you don't know anybody and no one's there to greet you. So I wanna, I wanna put myself in that person's shoes straight away and greet them, show them around, show them spaces that it's cool to work in the office, show them where the washroom is, show them where the mother's room is. Just mm -hmm. get those uh, formalities out of the way to acclimate them with the space. And then when they come in, you know, it's not, oh, let's, let's try to find you a laptop. Let's find you a, a computer. Let's, let's see what we can find. Like their laptop is there. The laptop is ready. It's ready for them to get into. And maybe there's a card signed by the team saying, welcome, and we appreciate you joining. So you're trying to humanize the experience, like yeah. straight out of the gate. Um, and, and then the rest of the, de the day, and I usually hire people on a Friday instead of a Monday. I like to call that the new day one. Uh, I, I want a different momentum at that point. People usually start on a Monday because there's five days before and maybe you're going to get into orientation or mm -hmm. uh, you're going to get thrown, God forbid, you're going to get thrown into project work right away. Yeah. Somebody, sure somebody's going to hand you that me. really thick employee handbook that you'll never freaking read. And <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We've all had that happen. <laughs> Um, but I have, I have people starting a Friday because uh, I want a different momentum. I want the momentum yeah. of positivity and connection to carry through the weekend rather than project work carrying through five days. So, um, you know, that's, that's just one example. It all starts uh, establishing that connection, establishing those positive vibes from day one and onward. And then after that, it's, it's micro moments. It's not backseat creative directing. It's being a supportive uh, leader instead of um, a dic uh, dictatorial leader. And, and just, in, you know, making sure that we're living uh, what's, you know, maybe painted on the wall with our, our slogan or our mantra that, you know, whatever our elevator pitches on the website, that, that's, that's us. That's, that's, that's who we are. And, you know, when, one thing I tell job seekers when you look at a website, like, where does people, where our do, culture or about fall in the navigation? Because everyone's gone through an experience in building a website and that's, that's prioritized. Well, how does a company view that uh, that kind of thing. And if you click on an about us page, is it all the C-level C suite or are they actually talking to people, showing people are at the website? Like how do they view themselves as a company? So there are all those little things you can kind of suss out to be a gateway into what the, you know, lies ahead when you join a business. Right, right. No, so many, so many excellent points, Justin. Uh, you know, it's funny, you were mentioning making Friday the new day one 
And as you were saying that, I was thinking back decades ago when I had actually started a job on a Friday, and which was unusual. The reason that I did is I had chosen um, another start date because of some other things that were going on. And it was one of those strange times where I was starting in early January, but the organization was having their holiday party, as many do now, um, mm. on the first weekend of January. So they weren't taking right. people away from all their family and friend functions and so forth. So yeah, they said, you know, well, even though you're starting on X day, which is no problem, you are invited to our big holiday party at this hotel and we're happy to get you a room and everything. And I said, you know, I don't want my first interaction with my coworkers to be at the holiday party. Um, so why don't I start on that Friday, the Saturday before that holiday party? And I remember that being such a, a great experience because, you know, nobody's, you know, nobody's going to get the new guy a ton of work on a Friday anyway. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so I got to meet so many people on Friday and just got to hang out, you know, talk about, you know, high level strategy in the job and how it fits and then got to meet everybody in a social setting again on Saturday. It's like, oh, you're the new guy. You know, it wasn't the new bald guy. I actually had hair back then. Uh, you might remember that too, Justin. Uh, but, but I remember what a great experience that was that then when I came in on Monday, you know, I already had friends. You know, I already made connections with people and it wasn't just a job. It was, it was whatever it was, it was something more than that. Yep. Yeah. That, that's all about the human connection. That, that, that's a great anecdote. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsor, Bader Training and Consulting. Do you have a specific brand, culture, or strategy problem in your business? Maybe you know something's wrong, but you don't necessarily know exactly what the problem is. Well, BTC offers periodically 15-minute free strategy sessions. They're completely complimentary. We give you a tip that you can implement in your business that's going to help your brand, culture, or strategy in that 15-minute call. And it's not a 15-minute sales call. It is a deep dive into a specific issue that you may be having at your unique business. To schedule a 15-minute strategy session, go to www.btcinc.net and go to the Contact Us page. Simply put in your information, and in the comments, all you need to do is put strategy session and we will contact you about scheduling your unique 15-minute strategy session to help your unique business. I also appreciate what you said. You know, I'm going to give a big shout-out to my wife. Maybe I'll get some, some points here because uh, she is an awesome leader, one of the best that I've ever seen. And two of the things that she does, which aligns perfectly with what you said, is she goes out of her way when she's hired somebody that – their workspace, their workstation is set up before they get there. You know, now granted, there's sometimes there's a problem with a password or something in IT or whatever, but when they get there, they don't have to wonder. So, oh, you know what? Could you sit in that corner for two days until we, you know, actually do what we were supposed to do and have you right. set up? Yeah, they've got a spot to work from the moment they walk in 
you know, coupled with, you know, she always asks during the interview and even in one-on-ones, what do you like to do? Yeah, and sometimes, you know, somebody gives them, you know, the corporate speaks like, no, 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 no. What do you like to do? You know, because if it's something that you really enjoy, you know, maybe we can create that type of environment here. You know, now, you know, at the end of the day, you are hired for a position. There are certain things that have to be done. But, you know, if you are more forward facing and you want to talk to customers or clients, let's have you do more of that. You know, if you if that's right. really not in your comfort zone and you really like doing spreadsheets and filing, you know, that stuff needs to be done too. Let's give you more of that and let's let Jenna, who's really good with people, do more of this. Uh, and I think that that makes people want to come to work. And I think that speaks to being creative, not just putting people in a, this is your job description and this is your whole stay in it. You know, this is more of a, hey, let's let's get the best out of people. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, your wife just saying like, what, what do you want to do? Or she's, she like, you know, she, she has the computer ready to go to a lot of these things are, are things that seem like the most obvious things in the world to do. Of course, their computer should be there. Of course, you want people to do what they want to do. But it's so often missed by businesses. And that, that you know, I, I say that a lot in the book. These things that seem, seem like layup for a, a business are, are the things that are most often missed because you're too busy or you're understaffed or all of these things. And that, that's where the disconnect starts to happen. That's where the organic marketing for the business starts to falter. That's where retention starts to uh, fall off a bit. And, you know, the, the glass door score goes down and, and all that, all that fun stuff. I mean, it's because of these, these things that seem like uh, the most obvious things in the world to do. And the, often those things distill down to treating someone like a human being. I mean, mm-hmm. just having that connection and, and, and being respectful and being empathetic and compassionate. Uh, and then just because you're a business and you have to keep the lights on, it doesn't mean there has to be that detachment between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting story that I want your take on. And then there's a question in this, which is the question will eventually be, you know, for those, you know, looking for jobs, even in this tough time, you know, what should they really key in on? But yeah, I was on LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn's my favorite social media platform. I play in there as much as possible. And I happened to see from somebody that I really don't know that well, somehow we got connected. Um, you know, she's a chief experience officer for this organization. Mm-hmm. And she put out a uh, basically a one ad or you know whatever you want to call it, say there's a job opportunity here. And she right in the very first sentence says, come join my team, not our team, come join my team. And so I tried to be, which really isn't my Chicago way, as you might, <laughs> as you might align with, you know, I tried to be as nice and polite as I could in words and took her to task on the my team. And I basically gave her an out and said, maybe you didn't mean that, but wouldn't it be better to say our team, especially since you're the chief experience officer, because the experience of being on your team isn't something that would really motivate me. But, but if I'm qualified, you know, the experience of being on a part of our team, you know, really does speak to me. And what was right. interesting was, you know, one person commented very negatively on the organization on that string. And then I was obviously mm. blocked rather than that individual taking the opportunity to say, yeah, you know, I should have said our team. 
<laughs> and now she'll never communicate with me again because apparently to use another Chicago term, I'm a jag off. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, in that, you know, maybe you could comment on, on my reaction there, but also what should job applicants be looking for, you know, to get into a creative culture? Yeah, boy, the, the my team thing. I mean, that's one of those those small things that just adds up. My team, or if I'm you know on a call, I never say this is my designer. I mean, they're not property. I mean, an employee yeah. is it's not a piece of property. <laughs> um, so so that's a great point. Like I said earlier, when you're looking for a role, um, I, I mentioned the navigation thing, and I, I right. genuinely believe in that. How a company frames themselves, or if they have a culture section. Um, how are they describing it? Uh, are there actual interviews, uh, you know, with people who work there? If you're in the interview process uh, with a business, are they allowing you to talk to people who work there? Are they allowing you to talk to people who have left there? How, like, what is the level of transparency uh, when you're engaging with someone? And if you're on the site, I'll just go through the process. If you're on site interviewing, you know, we're all very self-conscious about, you know, uh, did, is, are my hands too sweaty? How does my breath smell? Yeah. But taking that lens off of yourself and putting it to your surroundings. I mean, a day in the life is unfolding around you of that business when you're there and you can just kind of take take a, take a scan of the room. Are people scurrying off to meetings? Are people throwing their brows? Are people, are people um, supported to be uh, pausing and having a coffee or talking about their day? I mean, you can just kind of see the business unfolding around you. No one else cares that you're there interviewing beyond the people you're engaging with. So just, keep your peepers open and, and see what's going on with the business. I remember one time I interviewed with um, a place and they, they wouldn't see me until six o'clock. And uh, I was younger at the time. So I, I wasn't able to connect the dots. And I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, they want to be, they don't want me to have to leave work early in my current work. Cause I was employed right. at a place I didn't want to be at. Uh, so I went there and I interviewed and it, it was still completely full at six o'clock at this place I interviewed at. And it, 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 there were no signs of anyone uh, leaving anytime soon. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And what I didn't connect the dots was, it was their expectation that you're there until the work gets done. I mean, this was an agency and like everything had like a life or death um, uh, lens to it. Sure. I and mean, it was like, you know, it was a lot of like uh, uh, direct fulfillment and, and landing page kind of kind of work and it's not life or death work man it's it's not life or death yeah. work at all like people still have kids to pick up and people have maybe sick relatives at home they have to take care of or you know maybe maybe people prefer flex schedule none of that and that that's how the culture was there and i, I didn't see it I, I missed those warning signs so really just keep being your head in a swivel and the level of transparency with the the uh, that you're uh, that the place you're, you're hoping to get hired uh, can can engage with you on those are all signs uh, straight out of the gate. Like I said, with the interview process before, before I even sign on the dotted line, how am I being treated um, mm -hmm. in the interview process? Or if I come to the table and something is important to me, saying work, working remotely is important to me, or um, flex time, or being able to work from a coffee shop, or what have you. If I ask that to, the, to five or six people that I'm interviewing with, are the answers consistent? Are the answers passionate? And when I ask about what the onboarding experience is, is there flop sweat? Like, uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask so-and-so in HR. Like, do people know yeah. about how I'm going to be welcomed into the fold? I mean, there are all these things you can kind of watch for and, and bring to the table. Like, bring three things that you're absolutely passionate about that you want really good answers on because it's a, di it's a mutual dialogue in the interview process. It's not an interrogation. So a, a lot of those things, you know, will be a tell about the, the role you're getting into. Right. 
Right. Now, was that 6 p.m. interview on a Friday? Oh, boy. I wish I could <laughs> that, remember. That been, <laughs> That's years ago. <laughs> that would have been telling. <laughs> Yeah, like, really. Hey, it's that happy hour, it. man. You know, and we're all working here. But, but yeah, to your to your point, you know, many times with with my clients that complain about um, the people that they're hiring, uh, especially because we talk about brand culture and strategy, I point out that yep. you know branding starts with with those position hires, you know, including you know those want ads. You know, if you're putting out, you know, the usual, you know, 1994 speak where you have eight paragraphs and all the bullet points, um, it, you know, you already sound like, you know, somebody's joining the military to come work for you. Right. Nothing against our military. I love our military, but you know, working at an ad agency, frankly, shouldn't be that type of an experience. Um, yeah, that, you know, that the branding starts right from that one ad, right from posting the job and the language you use in there, as well as the interaction that you have with the person, because to your point, consistency, if you have no problem with that consistency, that individual who goes through that process and then becomes hired, isn't going to be surprised on day one or day five or even day 50 when they're on the job. Yep, I, that, the great points. I, I really feel that brand and culture are synonymous with one another. The way a, a yeah. company outwardly portrays themselves is a direct sign, sign to the to the culture behind it, uh, to the people creating this work, um, and, and it's really the ultimate lit, litmus test of a business. I mean, you can see now, like I said, with social media and, and you know uh, the tech sector. Certainly, uh, uh, many uh, bigger companies in the West Coast have a lot of things like when you sign up for a business, like you're signing your life away. You know, like there are there are sleep pods in the office, and that that's great because I can take a nap during the day. Or, you know, if you're here past nine o'clock, we'll pay for your cab home, or we'll you will take care of your dry cleaning, and that stuff sounds good on paper. But when you when you look deeper than that, I mean, there are sleep pods there because they want you to stay longer. Or why 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 would I be here past nine o'clock? Because the expectation is that's your life at that point. Um, so looking past the BS perks and, and kind of looking into what's deeper than that uh, to really define a brand um, is always to your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like to say, you know, we, we've got to go past engagement. A lot of organizations think that engagement is having a foosball table um, in the break yeah. room and we're going to have a family picnic, you know, every, you know, July 1st. Well, yeah, that, that, that's not really engagement, number one. And number two, we need to move to involvement, you know, much like what you said, that everybody has a seat at the table. You know, whether, you know, whether you're 22 and just got your degree and it's your second day or you're 62 and you've been there for three decades um, and have all this knowledge, you know, everybody has a seat at the table. Let's bring that together. That's an involvement to me. Um, important question. Give me an example of a creative culture. One, maybe possibly a place that you worked and said, yeah, this is, this is what I mean by creative culture or one that you've interacted with and said, this is, or pretty darn close to what I'm talking about in my book in terms of a creative culture. Yeah, I, I can give a very specific example. Awesome. There. So 
With a lot of businesses, it's it's kind of like a standard uh, perk to send someone to a conference. Like if I join up and I want to get a, be a better designer, I, you know, there's like a two thousand dollars stipend, including travel, where I can go to a conference or five hundred bucks or whatever. Um, and that, that that's cool. I mean, that's a nice thing. That's demonstrative of, of being supportive of an employee. And then you know, maybe I go to a conference and I come back. And then the the stipulation there is I, I come back and I have to present, give a presentation to the business on what I've learned and. That's cool. And that's fine. I've worked at places that have that perk before. And I think a lot of people in, in tech or design expect something like that. But when you're at a conference, you're being spoken at. It's a very, yeah. it's not a dialogue. It's a monologue. You're sitting there. And if I, if somebody says something cool and I want to write a tweet about it and I look down and I'm, I'm thumbing on my phone, I've missed five minutes of what they've said. Or, you know, they're on the stage. And I, I've, I've done this, you know, before based on uh, speaking engagements. I have that too. You go up there and you talk. Uh, for 10 minutes or, uh, you know, 45 minutes, you maybe do a Q&A and then I'm right back on a plane and I'm done. And there's no engagement there between speaker and, and, and uh, attendee. So one thing I've done um, in the past is an offsite camp. And it's not like an offsite camp and we go and, um, you know, it's like, a, it's, it, it's work, 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 work. And we go there and we're just, we, we bring our laptops and we're effectively just working offsite. I've seen off, offsite camps like that where you just, it's, it's, uh, so there's you know, no tents or s'mores or fires or anything like that. Right. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I, I've done something before called uh, X camp with X being a variable that it could take place anywhere. And what I've done is I, I took um, about a dozen people. We were, we were in a, a, a business with maybe uh, four international branches of different roles, of different seniority. There were, there was uh, senior level people people. There were people who answered the phones. There were people who were there maybe a year and there were people there uh, 10 years. And I took these people into the desert in Moab, Utah, mm -hmm. and the internet was passable at best. And the intent <laughs> there was to take people out into the environment and not to go out there and play Quake or Fortnite or something like that with an awesome internet, internet connection. Right. We want people to obviously be able to reach home, but to go out there and to be inspired by one another and to be inspired by the environment. When, when we're in the digital space, a lot of the design I do is in the digital space. It's very easy to just like open 15 browser tabs and Google like top design patterns 2020 or something like that and get like a bullet list of stuff I can emulate. But I want people to be inspired by the world around them. And I want people to be inspired by um, the tangible informing their digital work and being inspired by the uh, dynamics of putting a face to a name and a, for, to a coworker that you might've just seen in an email chain. I mean, um, and you had people for the first time um, back when you could shake hands and it was a pre uh, pandemic era, <laughs> shaking elbow. hands with people that they'd, yeah, exactly, elbow bump now, uh, that they had ne never seen before. And we went there and we created, and I, I remember sending uh, developers out into the, uh, it's almost poetic, sending them out into the horizon <laughs> and they're like, what do we do? And I, I had them go out there and problem solve, just like drawing in the dirt, like drawing database diagrams in the, in the red, red Utah dirt down there yeah. and taking, uh, taking pictures of it with their, with their cell phone. And we, we built things. We, we uh, ideated tools that would help us collaborate better at the office. And we, we would represent it back to each other uh, each night um, over s'mores, like you said earlier, yeah. <laughs> over bonfire and s'mores. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, it recharged the environment and recharged that dynamic of the, of people. Um, some people were, uh, th uh, considering leaving because we were about, it was a place that was, that was about to be acquired. So a lot of the projects we put together, like, what is our identity? Like, how do we, uh, integrate into a new business? And like, what are our fears and our, and our, our thoughts about that? So it's equal, equal parts therapeutic as well. 
And I remember on the first day, I took people hiking in this place called the Fiery Furnace <laughs> in Moab, Utah, in the Arches National Park. And this guy said, I cannot believe I'm getting paid for this right now. Because it's like, you, 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 you think you get sent, like I said, like a conference or an event. And yeah. yeah, you're getting paid for it because you're not sitting at a desk and throwing down on a PowerPoint, but it's still, we're still connecting and we're still creating and we're still figuring out ways to collaborate uh, once we go back uh, to the office and, and new uh, relationships were formed, new professional relationships and new dynamics and people were able to collaborate better after that. That to me is a creative culture because it's not even taking place within the walls. It's the environment saying, I, 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 you know, I talked to the business owners and I got a great budget and uh, you know, even doing something like that, the budget was like a third of like the standard conference offering because we cook for one another and we, we clean the place together and we came back at a fraction of the cost and like everyone was organically charged again to, to, to work and collaborate and people who were considering leaving and because of the merger uh, were reinvested in the business. So yeah. that is action over words completely. Uh, sure. And it might even come down to that. The, the people first action over words dynamic that manifested itself as an offsite camp. But that is really the basis of a creative culture or dare I say any, any healthy culture, any people first supportive culture. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal story. Um, although I lived in the desert for a short time and really don't want to go back. Other than that, it's a phenomenal story. <laughs> um, That's fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's about connection and collaboration and not people talking at you. Um, you know, in, in these times that we're in, which is tumultuous, uh, <laughs> to say the least, you know, we're here in 2020 with pandemics and riots and all kinds of craziness that we never thought we'd have to deal with um and we've got yep. some businesses that are, are reopening and trying to ramp back up um others that are that i've talked to that are trying to survive and aren't necessarily uh laying off people but certainly as people are retiring or leaving aren't replacing and and trying to keep things yep. to something of a new normal for, for those organizations that want to either maintain a creative culture that they have uh, or even try to create one in this type of an environment, you know, do you have a, a tip or an idea for those folks on, you know, here's one way or one thing that you might really want to consider doing during this time? Yeah, let's, let's go back to actions over words. So I think a lot of this, uh, what's coming out of this dynamic now is either going, it's gonna push the needle one or two directions for a leader. It's going to enhance negative behaviors or it's going to help strengthen the positive ones. And by that, I mean, right. because I can't see my team outside my office right now and I can't physically see people, does that mean I'm flooding their calendar with meetings? Is there like what we're calling like over meeting syndrome right now? Do you have a Zoom like every 30 minutes and there's no time to get your work done? Yeah. Or are you setting expectations with your team to let them know it's okay to go out for outside and, and get a, a breath of fresh air. It's okay to not check Slack 35 times a day. Mm -hmm. It's okay to, you know, not look at your email on the weekends. Like, are you making it a known quantity that those, those things that people might be speculating about, they can take advantage of as demonstra demonstrative aspects of the culture. So if it's healthy and you're, a humble uh, empathetic leader, I feel like it's going to help augment and enhance the way you work. And we're all figuring it out right now, man. We're all figuring out the best ways to work. And even the healthiest cultures, uh, people are, are, you know, navigating, uh, maybe putting too many meetings down or 
uh, over, over checking in with their team a bit, even if you're not, like I said earlier, a backseat creative director, but uh, really making it a known quantity, I guess, to, your, to distill it down to something uh, per your question, making it a known quantity yeah. that people can do X and not making anything uh, guesswork. Like, I, you know, there's nowhere for me to go. It's like, is the expectation that I'm on from eight until eight because, you know, I'm, I'm at home. I'm not going anywhere. I always have my laptop. Or am I telling my team, you know, I know we, we busted our butts to get something out the door. It's okay to stop at three o'clock today. It's okay to, you know, if you want to take a nap during lunch, do that. I mean, everyone is navigating so much just in the day-to-day. -day. Like, can I, can I find milk someplace? Can I find toilet paper? We have to be super cognizant of just people are, are surviving right now and maintaining sanity amongst everything's going on, let alone deliverables and quality of work yeah. and productivity. So, um, you know, a support system, if, you know, I'm a leader and I, I tell people it's okay to do these things, then am I advocating on their behalf to the, the stakeholders to let them know, just so you know, I, you know, my team really is, is kind of burned out. They might not make this meeting today or, uh, you know, the, the, maybe we should take this milestone and set expectations with the client to push it out a little bit because, because they're down. So really as a leader, it's incumbent upon us to really support our teams as much as possible in actions over words right now and be super clear about what they can take advantage of to uh, just maintain their well-being. Yeah, love that. And, and that X factor may be you don't have to wear pants if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just please don't be shirtless. You know, I have a shirt on Zoom. Uh, <laughs> although, although you might want to show off the tats and the piercings. I don't know. Uh, but last question I have for you, Justin. And no, it's not about tattoos or piercing. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. You know, for those folks out there that, that really do want to have a creative culture and you need to tap into your brilliance and expertise, how best can they find you? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Uh, you can find, first of all, the book uh, is the-culturebook.com. And social media, the book is at the underscore culture book on, on uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and et cetera. And me personally and all social media, I'm at uh, Pseudoroom, P-S-E-U-D-O-R-O-O-M on Twitter, on Instagram, what have you. And I, I love uh, engagement interaction. Again, this is not uh, everything I do and everything I'm passionate about talking about is not a monologue. It's absolutely a dialogue and all kinds of feedback. If you appreciate what I'm talking about, if you think I'm full of it, everything helps me evolve as a person. And I, I welcome all that, all that feedback. So, um, I, you know, I hope people are able to check out the book. It's available in all kinds of formats. Um, but, you know, if not, you can find me on social media as well. Perfect. I, I definitely don't think you're full of it. Uh, I think you're spot on and I appreciate the message that you're sending out there, Justin. Thank you for being a perfect guest on Cool Culture Corner. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. <laughs> and thank you to all of you that have listened to this episode. And as always, here's hoping that you have a Cool Culture Corner at your unique business. Take care.